0: welcome to the bechtel hold a pro wrestling podcast hosted by me stephanie cheers every week i deep dive into the pro wrestling stories that have been keeping me up most at night from AEW to wwe new japan pro wrestling impact and beyond so sit down strap in and join me as we invade the boys' club, shatter the glass ceiling, and drop kick down the doors of pro wrestling. Hello, friends. My name is Stephanie Chase, and welcome to my podcast, The Bechtel Hold. How is everyone this week? I am feeling good. It's been a good one. Um, what have I done this week? Well, we had Wrestle Dream on Sunday. I had a great time watching that at home and then on monday i recorded a wrestle dream review so if you're expecting me to talk about wrestle dream on the show it won't be happening because i've already done it and go check out my review of wrestle dream little bonus episode for you all um and then on wednesday i went and got tattooed if you've been listening for a couple weeks i said i had some tattoos i was planning so i got one of them on wednesday um People on the video feed, I'll show it to you now. I got a um, Bowie lightning bolt on my hand, kind of in the same position that I have another one on my other hand, um, which is a candy corn, Um, you know, for spooky season. I got that a couple years ago. No one ever thinks it's a candy corn. Most people guess it's a plectrum. Um, But yeah, I got tattooed on Wednesday. Um, It was fun. I haven't had... A new tattoo in since before the pandemic. And it didn't hurt at all. I went to a really nice guy um who knew about wrestling. Said he would never have done that tattoo in Cody. I agree. And it was fun. I did like I've been, I think I've said this the past couple of weeks, but I've been having like such bad anxiety recently. And I had like started panicking while I was getting tattooed and we had to stop and it was really embarrassing but the guy was really nice about it so it ended up taking like way longer than it would have if I hadn't have been an anxious idiot but yeah I'm really happy with it I just wanted to get it because you know he's one of my favorite artists of all time um and his music really helps me when I'm unhappy so I thought it'd be a nice thing to have to think of when I'm not happy and I did want another one to like I wanted my left hand to kind of match my right hand so that was the highlight of my week you know getting getting tattooed but other than that I've not really been up to much I have a lot of events coming up over the past couple of weeks so this will probably be like the last quiet week for me um, and on Saturday Saturday or Sunday that fastlane is saturday saturday i'll be watching fasting and that's really all my weekend plans i'm recording this podcast right now it's 11 30 p.m on a friday night and if you hear any background noise it is the wildness of liverpool on the weekend there's always something going on in this city and i live right in the city center so it's all on my doorstep like not long ago i had to Close the window because someone at a pub across the world for me was doing like the worst rendition of how to save a life that I've ever heard um oh it was so bad but thus is city center life but in the wider world the world outside of my life the world outside of wrestling the most the biggest story I've been hearing about all week and it's been for over a week it's about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, if that's how you say his surname, This NFL guy that she's dating. Um, I don't have an opinion on their relationship. Everyone seems to. I don't. I think the last guy she did it, Maddie Healy, is total, total scumbag. Um, so I'm glad she moved on from that. Um, and her boyfriend before that, Joe Alwyn, seemed like he was really boring. And he was one of those um, guys that puts girls in cages. Not not a literal cage. Um, but this, Taylor and Travis, it has everyone talking because she's going to his games. He's an NFL player. And people are, well, when I say people, I mean men, are so annoyed that the NFL are acknowledging her and showing her during the games. And there was a podcast. Well, I saw a clip from a podcast this week, and it was Barstool Sports, a Barstool Sports podcast. It's called Pardon My Take. Um, and these podcasts always have guys with stupid nicknames on it. So this was Dan Big Cat Cats. And he was on this podcast just saying some gross things about Taylor Swift, like just vile. And this is a fucking sports podcast. And I saw this clip going around on Twitter and it was so gross when I went to talk about it. I didn't even share the clip because I'm not putting that out there. Not putting out there these um, horrible like incel men talking about a woman like that and I thought how is barstool sports still a thing in 2023 like how have we not moved past that this terrible like the most vile kind of row culture that barstool sports is um and it's that kind of culture that really puts up a barrier of entry to women to work in the sports media industry um, and to even become sports fans um, because you don't want to be surrounded by guys like that and I think it's wild that it hasn't been like a barstool sports hasn't been eradicated yet they've had so many different issues on this kind of thing and I've said before a couple of like times in the early days of of AEW where I was just like oh I this isn't what I thought I was it was going to be you know I I thought it was going to be like the great kind of hero wrestling company of moving things forward like especially when it came to women and this this all did remind me of AW using Barstool Sports being one of my first little oh no moments, like red flag moments. Um, because I think whenever I see people like liking or sharing or retweeting Barstool Sports anyway, I always see it as a, as a red flag because it makes me think that you don't think about the media you you're consuming, like you don't think deep enough about it to be like hey i shouldn't be supporting somewhere like barstool sports you know that i just i shouldn't be wanting to support media like that so i remember aw using them i think it was for an mjf jericho press conference um which is a further like you know no surprise there i'm just being like so disappointed and they've done other things with them as well. And I doubt this, these men being vile about Taylor Swift is going to bring down bar- Barstool Sports, unfortunately. But something should, like, we should be over having this type of media out there um, and making it just so okay to. Talk like that, talk like that about women in something that's meant to be about just fucking sports. Can you not talk about your sports? Can you not enjoy your sports without having to be misogynist? Like, please, please. And I don't know how to segue that, but maybe I'll say if you want to support a female podcast, a non misogynist podcast, why don't you hit subscribe here and leave me a review? Um, and as i always say treat me like i'm your backstage source and give me a high star rating five please or 4.75 i guess i guess um but you know backstage uh, source rating inflation please always appreciate it um yeah i was looking at the rankings for this pod um today uh in the uk for the other week and i was really shocked at how well it was doing. I didn't even expect to see myself. So that's really awesome because I love doing it so much and it made me so happy. So please, you know, give it a subscribe if you like it. And and if you want to see it on video, go check out my Patreon where you can get a one-week free trial to see what that is like. And if you do sign up to my Patreon, by the way, please send me a DM on Patreon and tell me what you would like to see from my Patreon because I never know what to do over there and I would really appreciate like ideas and feedback. But now we've covered tattoos, misogyny, and I've plugged myself. So I guess it's time to get on to the wrestling. Let's gonna let's start with something that I don't think I've talked about yet in this podcast. We're gonna start with NXT. Because NXT is feeling hot right now I really enjoyed no mercy I thought it was a really um it was a show that was really easy to consume it was really fun and uh, it gave me just what I wanted I especially enjoyed Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton I think Tiffany is so good considering how young she is and how new to the business that she is and of course WWE always it, ju- it just books women's wrestling better. Like they just put a bigger, better focus on women's wrestling. And that was great. Having Becky there as champion is really helping them. Um, I like Carmelo Hay- Hayes as well. And I think the week-to-week shows have been really, really improving. And obviously they're using main roster talent like Becky, like the great Dominic Mysterio, but they still have people like Carmelo and Tiffany down there that are really worth watching. And it's been a big week for NXT. They had um 857,000 viewers on their latest episode, which is up from the 636,000 they drew last week. It was their best viewership total since October 2020. It feels like Shawn Michaels has like hit his stride with his NXT management maybe he's been given what he needed from upper management to really make things work but it feels like stuff with NXT is on a real upward trajectory and No Mercy really beat out Collision and AEW I think is in a really bad place with the the non-Dynamite shows, Collision and Rampage. And I think that's a a, a talking point for another time. But Collision had 327,000 viewers in TNT, down 41.8% from the previous week. Lowest audience in the history of the show. Um, lowest, like, demo rating too. So I guess everyone we was watching No Mercy. It made me think of, like, why there would be such a drop And I maybe wondered if the people that watch Collision are not just the most hardcore AEW viewers, but like they're like the most hardcore wrestling viewers because Collision has unfortunately become skippable like Rampage. I think in my opinion, you don't have to watch Collision. It's not like Dynamite. And it it was a pay-per-view weekend Collision which made it extra feel like you don't have to watch it because the pay-per-views like the next night. So I wonder if the people watching Collision are just these hardcore wrestling like completionists that have to watch everything. So they're also the same type of people that watch NXT. And then when you've got things going head to head, they pick the priority, which was the NXT No Mercy show over Collision. But this upward trajectory of, of NXT as far as like the in-ring action goes um, and the readings and everything could not have happened at a better time for this brand because next week due to baseball stuff that I'll never understand though if I had to like an American sport it would be baseball I just need the right guy to teach me about baseball Dynamite and NXT are going head-to-head next Tuesday. And it's going to be a war that I think might end up in a bit of a bloodbath. So Dynamite has to move because of this baseball thing. Um, It happened last year, and I think AEW won. Um, Yeah, AEW did win. But now they're going against an NXT that's been like creeping up on them. And it's crazy because obviously when Dynamite started, it was head to head with NXT. They were both on a Wednesday. And that feels like another lifetime ago. And it feels like two different companies that we're talking about because the NXT that went up against Dynamite is not the current NXT that we have. And I would argue that the dynamite, the AEW that went up against NXT is not the current AEW that we have. And it is quite like sad in a way, because I remember when NXT and AEW were going head to head. um, It was when I was doing a show I'll not mention uh, every week. And when the AEW rating, Dynamite Rating came in and the times they hit over a million, I would be so happy, excited, and it'd be so good for them. And it felt like they were eventually going to beat Raw, like start beating Raw. And then stuff happened that that <laughs> became so impossible. And now you don't see ratings like you used to, like the over a million rating. And the kind of narrative has changed as well. I think people forget that. But even people inside AW that were so gung ho, like Dynamite will beat Raw eventually, and all this kind of stuff, they don't even bother like saying that anymore. They pretend that that was never an intention. But we were kind of on that on that trajectory for a while, and then Dynamite just started slipping. And it, yeah, it feels like another company, but. When they go to battle this Tuesday, I think NXT are going to beat them. They're obviously going to be suffering from a change of day, and that never helps. Um, it never helps when a show has to change. It always sucks. But WWE have stacked this NXT to like a ridiculous level. It is comical what they are doing to beat AW. But I also say bring it on Like so that we have two fun shows to watch because I will be simulcasting. I will have both shows on. There's no way I'm picking just one because this NXT show feels like anything could happen. And who knows what will happen in Dynamite, what they'll do to try and counteract things. But NXT are bringing us John Cena, Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman, and Asuka. They already have, like, Becky Lynch and Dominic down there. And uh, so, yeah, Carmelo Hayes has seen seen in his corner against Bond Breaker. Uh, uh, No. Heyman is in the corner of Bond Breaker and seen in the corner of Carmelo Hayes, right? Cody's going to make a major announcement and ask is facing Roxanne Perez. And we've heard that The Undertaker is going to be in Florida. So, like, what if they bring The Undertaker to the performance center? That would be hilarious. And it's just funny that they are doing all this to beat Dynamite. What has Dynamite got? Well, we got the first match of Adam Copeland. Uh, oh, yeah, they're billing it title Tuesday. Um, He's taking on Luchasaurus, which storyline makes sense, but not the strongest name opponent that I would bring in for Adam Copeland's first match. Um, we have Ray Phoenix defending the international title against John Moxley. I guess this is where Moxley wins it back because he was never meant to lose it. Um, Brian Danielson's taking on Swerve Strickland. That's a big match for me. That's one where I will be. I'll be fully fixed on that one no matter what uh, NXT is doing. Soraya defends the women's title against Hikaru Shida. I can't see Hikaru Shida winning this because she only dropped it to Soraya at all in and Soraya's done fuck all since winning it. But I am still waiting for Soraya to lose the title. Um, Adam Page faces Jay White. I don't know how my heart's going to take that much. That sounds awesome. Powerhouse Hobbs the newest member of the Don Callis family per guy, he is uh, facing Chris Jericho. I think NXT are going to beat them just because the stars that they've put on this show, it's so comically ridiculous to bring down like Cody um, and John Cena of all people. And who knows who else, like what if they do announce the Undertaker? That just the sheer intrigue of that will make people tune in to NXT, I think. And this really made me think of talking about how AEW feels like a different company now than than back in the days of the Wednesday Night Wars. Do you remember the time that Rampage, I think it was Rampage, was going head to head with SmackDown and then Tony started he did like a buy-in show for rampage and he put on brian Danielson versus menorah suzuki remember that time and i remember doing a tweet and this was a a joke tweet i will say this now because it's one of my tweets that got me in trouble from people that like you know when when they just can't take someone make a making a sarcastic joke so i said um something like later generations will judge people by their answer to the question of, did you watch Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki um, or SmackDown? And you know, you got, you got the people. I always think the people that are like, you know, like they just like everything people like the toxic positivity people. Like the reason they're so toxic is because they're so fake um, because those people especially like one in particular was like quote tweeting me to dunk on me in a way where they were like inviting people to just go after me because I wasn't positive enough like what a positive thing to do but anyway it was a throwaway joke tweet but obviously it had a little bit of like you know truth not truth in it, but the little bit of sincerity of like, to me, Danielson versus Suzuki being this uh, like dream match. And at the time I wasn't into what they were doing on SmackDown, like I thought it was a lot of silliness. And I was thinking about that um, in regards to this head-to-head NXT and Dynamite, that I would not make that joke today. Because of how AEW has changed and how Dynamite has changed, yeah, you still have stuff like we're getting Brian Danielson versus Swerve. Right, that's gonna be awesome. But the company has changed in a way where it's got so much more like WWEified sports entertainment, e um, and not even on the level of what WWE are doing on like a SmackDown or a Raw. It's like NXT in, in a negative way. um. So I just couldn't make that comparison anymore that I think it was a, you know, it was a kind of a joke thing that I was saying about AEW being maybe like a more elevated form of wrestling programming or something like that. And I just certainly don't see them in that position anymore. And it's due to them, falling down, but also WWE rising up in the in the programming. So it's kind of a I think that's the biggest indictment I can make of current dynamite. Um and we really saw that this week. So let's get into this week's dynamite and we'll start with MJF. Cause like why not? I was ready to rip into MJF um on this show and i think the only reason i'm not going to be like hard on him like really as hard as i want it to be on him is because of the tweet he put out today that we'll talk about but at the same time um i don't want to like fully let him off the hook in any way because he is a wrestler so do i truly like believe him with what he says probably not because if you if you believe a wrestler in anything like they will let you down but i thought mjf's fit on dynamite was really awful like really bottom of the barrel stuff and you know i've seen people talk about it like soup williams wrote um an article with his feelings on mjf and i agreed with a lot of things he was saying Um, I heard the voices with you of Dynamite and MJF like got it hard from them and I personally feel like when AW started when MJF was on the rise to me like he was the guy like he was the future if you had said to me there's one person from AW that you can't get rid of who would it be I would say I would have said MJF. I would have said he was actually the most valuable person in AEW because he was the future. He was more valuable than anyone else, even even Punk. And that's coming from me. You know, when they had the whole thing around Double or Nothing and MJF's contract and him wanting more money, I was like, yeah, Tony should be paying this guy as much as he wants to make sure that he sticks around because he's the future. And I'm not saying that, I'm sorry, I'm going to move in my chair. I'm not saying that MJF had never done questionable stuff before during his time in AW, He did do the Ditto Debonair. Um, and that was pretty lame. And I've been saying for like quite a few weeks that, well, actually more than a few weeks, that it does feel like he's doing a showreel every week where he's trying to show different facets of himself. And I know there was some news about the Von um, Erich movie art today that, that he's in. But this Dynamite performance was particularly bad because like to me, MJF is so, so talented. And what drew me to him was Seeing how clever he was, how good a promo he was, I thought he had like the best delivery in the business. I think he has now stuttered once, and I think that was last week, or maybe it was this week. And he was so fresh and exciting. And even the way he acted on social media and stuff, like I wasn't fully behind him always being on character. But at the same time, I did like the idea that he wasn't out there trying to get people to love him you know desperately the way it feels like a lot of wrestlers now are so desperate to show you that they're actually a good a good guy even though they play a bad guy on TV I always thought it was cool that he didn't need that really he would he would just stay in this bad guy character all the time but this Adam Cole storyline in my opinion has been so... Detrimental to him. We're coming up on a year as with him as champion, and I think when we get to the end of it, it will be my least favorite AEW championship reign of all time. And I don't think the reigns have ever been particularly good. I don't think AEW has ever booked the champion well, bar maybe, but no, barring Chris Jericho, he Chris Jericho had a good AEW championship reign. He was the first champion they built him like a star that everything revolved around but then when you get to Moxley's reign I think they were still booking as if Jericho was the champion like because his segments and stuff seemed more important and I think that even carried through to when Kenny was champion and Kenny was like being goofy Kenny when he was champion and 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 that's what he's like but MJF given the past feuds that he'd had especially if you look at the punk feud I was expecting a lot more fun and I did not expect that he would end up in the situation that he's in where he has become this joke comedy character I don't I don't even want to call it comedy because I personally don't find any of it funny i i just find it more like it's it's just it's it's disappointing so on twitter today he tweeted and i'll preface this by saying as well is this is interesting because the scrum after wrestle dream and it's not the first time i've seen him be like this i thought he seemed so gotten to you know, wanting to come out there and be like, oh, my, that was not comedy, by the way. It's like, well, you just beat two guys, dude. So I fucking hope it was comedy. I hope, I hope it was comedy. He seemed so gone too. And, you know, a lot of people do have a hard time, you know, taking criticism. Stuff, like it, it's tough to hear, um, but he, he seemed really defensive. Then he comes on Twitter this morning. He says, advice from a guy he's been fortunate enough to have accomplished a lot in his profession at a young age. I've noticed something with people in my generation, and hopefully this helps young purrs out there. When you're criticized, of course, allow it to upset you. You're only human, but it doesn't matter how good you are at your job. Never blow off criticism. Use it. Never rest on your laurels. There's always room for growth. So then someone shared with him a tweet by um, Alan Farrell, uh, who... I always like hearing, I I like reading Alan's tweets um, and hearing his audio content on the torch. So he had tweeted after Dynamite, fucking hell, MJF, and his hold the mic up desperately to get a shit unfunny chant over makes me never want to watch wrestling again um, out of pure mortification. It's pray that someone doesn't walk into the room level entertainment. Strong words from Alan, like the use of the word mortification. Strong words. (laughs) Um, I don't think I feel like as strongly as that tweet is expressing, but I get what he's saying and we'll get into the segment. So someone shared that with MJF and said probably should listen to this mate. And M- Max said, already have. I could sit here and tell you I've consistently been the biggest rating draw in my company for some time. I can say that I've also been universally praised, but the fact is I dropped the ball this week. There's a lot of eyes on me. I can't afford to do that. Look forward to picking the ball back up on on Wednesday. Uh, But he meant he, he did say Tuesday. Um, So firstly, I think he definitely listened to the Voices of Wrestling um, Dynamite review, uh, which was like very harsh on him. It was said on that review that we have this big Dynamite coming up on Tuesday, head to head with NXT, You've got, like, Hangman doing a match. You've got Danielson doing a match, of course. You've got Jericho doing the match. And where is MJF? Like, where is the guy that's meant to be a locker room leader? And he's the guy that hasn't defended his title in the past two pay-per-views. So just him saying that, uh, and we know, we like, we know that MJF is one of those wrestlers that listens to podcasts and reads tweets and all stuff like this. Um, Daddy's listening to this one, but, you know, Um, He does do that. So I really think that he heard that bit of audio to make him say specifically that he was going to be there for Dynamite. And I don't know if I believe that he's sincerely thinks that he dropped the ball because I still think that he believes that he can't do any wrong. I would like to think that he feels like, yeah, maybe this stuff that I've been doing is really like cheap, lowbrow, like beneath me. But MJF's a really hard one because we really get no indication of what he's like as a person because he doesn't give much of himself away at all. And it's just been so disappointing the stuff he's been doing. I thought that, you know, two weeks ago when he said the tofu thing to Jay White, it was not funny. It wasn't a good read. Uh, I also, there was something about it that made me feel a little bit uneasy, but it might have been because I just listened to this podcast um, about the whole, like, soy boys term. (laughs) where I was I had to take a moment and be like I wonder what hmm, are there any connotations with the tofu thing anyway it just wasn't it, it just wasn't good and then he comes out this week on Dynamite and he's just doing like the worst stick of getting the crowd to chant his silly things and then of course he calls Juice Robinson a, a talentless taint so he says taint on tv so we're all meant to be shocked and outraged that that this man said taint um my poor mother didn't know what what taint meant and i told her i wasn't going to explain it and i also told her not to google but he's getting the crowd to chat that and i'm just like what is this like we've seen this guy go from someone who could tell such good stories that you really felt like he did with punk to getting trying to make a crowd of people say tint on tv then he does keep elements of this kind of like bad jock humor stuff a lot that i don't like it's kind of like how even when he's being a baby face he'll be nice to fans do all this you know like nice trying to be a better person stuff but he'll never stop calling women rats is something that I've noticed he never he he never lets go of the rat thing um he's still a baby face doing that but it was bad and I don't think this this character shift in MJF is doing good for business like I really don't he may have some good like quarter hours but live attendance is so bad people might cheer for him in the arena but the crowds that are cheering from him in the arena are are smaller crowds than they should be like at this stage and I always think of the time and I forget what press conference that this was at but I always have like little mental notes of like moments in AW history that I think were important and other people aren't thinking about. And this was, what press conference was this at? One of the press conferences, there was a question about MJF getting some cheers. And the person that this question was directed towards, and I don't even know why, was Jericho, who said something like, oh I've told MJF that when he wants to be a baby face I'll help him or like help him out and I remember thinking at the time and this was at the time when I actually thought that Jericho was doing good work on TV but I remember still being like oh god please no like that is no like don't um and now we have MJF doing stuff on TV, like say calling someone to tofu and talking about tins, and getting the crowd to chant that, that is at a level that I don't even think Jericho would go for. I don't think he would have tried the tofu thing two weeks in a row, even if he had trademarked it, which you know he would have trademarked it as soon as he said it. Talking about the business going down, like... The observer was saying that um, for Wrestle Dream, there was seven thousand three hundred fans with six thousand five hundred paid. Aside from the pandemic shows, it would be the lowest number for an AW pay per view in history. Um, and this is a market they haven't run to death uh, with people. Three people in top matches from from that market, and a lot of empty seats. So things aren't great business-wise. And I think that I can't help but think that we would have been in a better position if MJF hadn't have taken this this turn. Because I get thinking that we should, that AW should appeal to more of a WWE audience, but they were doing so well without doing that. Like the times when they were hitting a million going up against NXT was because they were offering an alternative to WWE. And I think when you stop being the alternative, like the true alternative, a lot of people end up going with better the devil, you know. And the devil the wrestling fans know is WWE. But the best thing to come out of Dynamite is that Jay White is getting a title shot at Full Gear, and hopefully I will be there. And I would l- love to see Jay win the championship. You know, Jay is my favorite wrestler, and it would mean a lot to me to see him win it. Like, really. So I don't think he will win it at all, but stranger things have happened. And I really hope that Jay, who I think is an excellent promo, and I'm not saying that Jay hasn't done any or done or said any cringe things ever, but I think Jay is an excellent promo. And I would love it if he brought back this more serious MJF and we got a really good storyline heading into full gear. And Adam and that whole thing can go exist in another universe. Because I think even if you do think that what MJF's doing is like fun or harmless or funny or like whatever, do you really think it should be being done with by the world champion? Because I know that I don't. And I think in some way they've been trying to like replicate the bloodline stuff. And I do really like the bloodline storyline. And there are some bits of the bloodline stuff that have been cheesy or whatever. But all in all, like, Roman's a serious guy who never looks like a dork. And MJF getting beaten down and then still saying tofu on Wednesday. He looked like such a dork. He was so just uncool. The Adam Cole segment. Oh, I don't want to sound like a crump. I do think this was one of like the worst slash most embarrassing moments on AWTV I can remember. Firstly, this thing plays with no audio, but not for me because I was watching on fight. So we got, we got the audio. Conspiracy theory. Did TNT see this segment before Dynamite and play it with no audio on purpose? Because this was not even like national TV ready. It didn't even look like it was filmed in good quality or anything like that, but it was just like painfully unfunny. I don't even get what was meant to be funny about it. Adam moving furniture on one foot, whatever. Um, It was, it was just, it was bad. It was embarrassing that it played with no audio. It was then embarrassing that they had to run it again so that everyone could hear the audio. Um, And then it was embarrassing that like some of us viewers didn't get to see the end of the Adam Copeland segment because they had run this again. And if you're going to do comedy, like at least try and make it funny. This just wasn't. It wasn't like doesn't the big bang theory run before dynamite and i think big bang theory is one of the most unfunny sitcoms and they wouldn't have a skit a sketch this bad in the show it was very like low wrestling and just it just it just was not good it really wasn't and adam hasn't had surgery yet, like two weeks after the injury. I don't know. but I think I can't justify that segment at all. Um, at least MJF wasn't in it, but it's MJF adjacent because it's Adam Cole. But yeah, I didn't like that segment. and I just thought the the whole thing of it was embarrassing. The segment itself was embarrassing. The no audio then run it again was embarrassing. I don't have anything else to say unless I want to just unleash a ton of negativity towards it, which I don't want to do. Um, I don't want to do. I just hope we don't get something like that again. I do feel maybe that that segment and that whole thing was so bad that maybe it's made some people think. I, I would love if they did a poll backstage with the people that work there, like the other wrestlers to be like, what What did you think of this stuff? Like, cause who is writing this? Like who's so creative behind this? And whoever it is, can we not let them do any creative or writing anymore, please? But I wanna talk about Adam Copeland instead because for what was bad on Dynamite, I did enjoy the closing segment between Adam Copeland and Christian. Now, Adam Copeland did appear in the opening segment of Dynamite. And we can only wonder why. And I get what they were trying to do. There's three Canadians. But I did think it was dumb to have him say how much he hit hate, hated Don Callis. And then later on, his two Canadian pals were being attacked by Don Callis's family. And where was Babyface Adam? He was nowhere to be seen. So he either doesn't hate Don Callis enough to stop that attack, or he doesn't like his fellow Canadians enough to stop that attack. But um, I will forget about that segment and just talk about the end. I really liked it. I thought that it feels so weird calling him Adam. It feels like I'm pretending to know him. You know what I mean? You know when people talk about punk and they call him Phil, which I've been guilty of, and you're like, oh, they're like pretending they know him because they're using real name? It really feels like I'm doing that when I'm talking about Adam slash Edge. But um, I thought it was really good. And I liked him they're saying that he'd seen the bad stuff that Christian do- had did, but they've been friends for so long. His daughter wanted him to go be with Uncle Jay. I d- I wouldn't have called him Jay, but still. And then Christian getting the go fuck yourself, the hug, and then the go fuck yourself. It was great. The fuck was unbleeped on fight, so we got to enjoy that and all its glory, and I really liked it, and it made me feel. If you listen to my Wrestle Dream review, I wasn't negative or positive really on on Adam. I was like, give him a chance. There's definitely stuff he did in WWE that I really didn't like. Um, He can't change his age, so I'm not going to change my mind on the fact that we are stocking up on too many older guys. But I was being open-minded for Adam, and this segment really set him off on the right foot with me. It's so funny that Christian got to say, go fuck yourself. Because remember that wild time when Jericho tried to get GFY over? I'd like to the point where he actually trademarked it and he released a t-shirt and everyone was like, dude, nobody says GFY. And then John Moxley said, go fuck yourself on Dynamite. It was off the cuff. He was um, saying it's some idiot heckler in the audience. And then that just killed Jericho's thing. And I still don't know what, where he got GFY from. I honestly think that a young person played a trick on him to say that this was something cool. Like, like, I don't know, like he was trying to like chat up a 20 year old at a bar or something. And you know, when you're trying to get someone away from you um, and you just tell them wild lies, like ladies do that sometimes to annoying guys. I bet, I bet, I bet some girl told him that like GFY was this thing that, all the cool people say because that was so bizarre that like that they tried to get that over as a thing like what like adults not being able to say fuck and instead having to say gfy it was so strange so it's just really funny that christian actually got to say go fuck yourself on tv like even though fuck was bleep, um it was great It it was like it was like a Canadian on Canadian rib. Um, but yeah, I just liked the segment. And Christian has been so good. Like he's been a revelation, really. Um, I love everything he's been doing recently. And I am now feeling like Edge. Oh, I said Edge. I'd been doing so well saying Adam. I now feel like Adam might elevate it even more. And I'm looking forward to see what, seeing what they do with him. I guess the only negative is that Edge wasn't, oh, I did it again. Adam was not a ratings draw. But Adam was never a ratings draw, let's be honest. Benno and I played a game last night. And I'm not going to release publicly the conclusions I came to. But he basically asked me all all different famous wrestlers and asked me if they were a draw. And pretty much the only people that I came to the conclusion were, were Austin Walk and John Cena. Um, And Adam has been like a negative draw in the past for WWE. Like they put him on NXT once and he tanked it. So he doesn't bring in the ratings. Um, His videos did really high YouTube numbers. Um, And I do wonder if that's just like WWE fans being intrigued to just see the clip but that's not going to translate to them ever watching him on TV or ever going to an AW live show. So if the ratings are going to improve, uh, it's not going to be because of the appearance of Adam Copeland. We're going to have to, you know, get some great storylines going, but there's potential with Adam and Christian, I think to do something really awesome. Um, The only other thing to mention from Dynamite was that Wardlow came back. Um, And I think he's walking out the door soon. (laughs) He was just like the mismanagement of Wardlow is uh, a bad, interesting thing. Like what happened after that double or nothing, how they did not capitalize on how over he was after double or nothing is beyond me. Everyone, if you've never seen it, go back and watch my interview with Wardlow, where we we talk about that, because I believe he was so genuinely pissed. And if MJF, you know, like threatened to leave or whatever, um, because of money before the Double or Nothing match and all that stuff, MJF in the end, ended up getting rewarded way more than Wardlow did, because Wardlow never got that big push they never got properly behind him and it's all been really stop start with him um losing the hair I do think was a mistake he had a much cooler look before that and they just don't know what to do with him so we came back on Dynamite he destroyed Griff Garrison then he walked off through the crowd And I guess we're meant to think it's a Wardlow reboot it's another go with Wardlow another run with Wardlow and I think that's like the intention from management But if he hasn't already resigned a new contract, I can absolutely see him being a guy that's out the door because I think he's A, probably pissed with everything that happened, um, and B, he could just use a change of scenery and a fresh start. So welcome back, Wardlow. We'll see how long we have you for. And that kind of brings me to what was said in The Observer this week. That one person in WWE noted that they believe the wrestling war will turn into WCW or TNA or Bellator as a competition in the sense that there will be signings of older talent from WWE with names, while WWE will take AW's younger talent. Um, and I do think that that is something that's going to happen. The people that I can see going are Wardlow. Yes, I can definitely see Ricky Stark's leaving if he already. If he hasn't, we signed already. So everything I'm saying here is with no knowledge of people signing. Um, But Starks, definitely with Cody over there and with Jade over there too. Powerhouse Hobbs, I know they're trying with him and the Don Callis family. But getting into that certain orbit never works for people. So I could see that him being another person that would want to go. Um, Sammy Guevara, I don't think would go, but he should because I don't think he's ever going to, like, reach his potential or come into his own or anything like that when he's in the same company as Jericho. It's just all been they they're too too tied together in a negative way. Um, but I can't see Sammy leaving. Um, at all especially with him and Ty having a baby on the way and Ty being under contract I just can't see that happening and I would love to see Daniel Garcia leave just uh, not not I would love to see him leave because he's one of my favorite you know AW wrestlers. but I just I think he's been quite mismanaged and I would like to see him get a fresh start I think he he's a much better a w wrestler than he would be a WWE wrestler, but they just do strange things with him in in a w. And I'm not sure they'd do any worse with him in w w e. Like Daniel Garcia from what I read, gets pinned on rampage by Jeff Hardy. That's enough to make you, you know, that's <laughs> that that should be enough to make you want to leave. But we are entering an exciting time here with movements and companies, you know, we got AW has edge and WWE has Jade Cargill. So it is unfortunate that AW is taking an, an older person when WWE gets a young, hot, fresh talent. Jade has not debuted yet though. If you're listening to this after Fastlane on Saturday, maybe she has. And I spent some time this week doing a little deep dive investigation um, into things Jade Cargill said before leaving AW. Because at the Wrestle Dream Media Scrum, Tony Khan was basically saying that maybe she left due to money because he offered her like two amounts, very generous amounts that she said no to. And I think money does factor in a lot of things. And I don't think we'll ever like truly know why Jay Cargill left, but I don't think that money was the biggest factor. And it's so interesting to read stuff that she said two years ago and when she first came into AW and just try and piece together what happened, because to me, I can't see it being about money. Um, and the most interesting interview to, to look at is her appearance on Talk is Jericho because it's a, you know, long form podcast. So she got a lot of information out. And in that interview, like she talked about how rich she is, that she doesn't need wrestling. She doesn't need the money from wrestling. And she talked about her experience, you know, originally with with WWE. Um, She did a WWE tryout. And she kind of talks about feeling that WWE wasn't as a secure place to land because one of her friends uh, got fired from WWE, got released um, without warning. So she did, She felt like AW was way more secure. And she says that WWE like maybe questioned her commitment because she was so rich. um, And she just didn't feel like comfortable making that move. And interestingly, she talks about basically being in a car with Jericho where they have this, this like, you know, conversation that led her to choose AW. And then she has a separate conversation with him where they sort out that she's going to be keep the name Jade Cargill. And like she says here, like. AW came about, I came here, I got experience, I felt calm. I remember you, as in Jericho, had this conversation in the car. I felt at ease about the decision I wanted to make. I didn't have to relocate. I felt at home. I could call the owner of our company and talk to him. He knew my name, my purpose. He knew what, I wanted to do this, and I wasn't just a number. He knew who, who I was, and that made me feel comfortable. And just reading all these things here, and if you want to go like, read it yourself, if you don't want to like, listen to the podcast there's a whole reddit thread um where they have like the highlights from her appearance but it just makes me feel that her leaving was definitely way more to do with her being handled with how she was handled like when she talks about this conversation that she had coming into aw with jericho I think if you were to make a movie about Jade Cargill's life and you wanted me to script that scene, I think I could script it really accurately, really accurately script the things that she was probably told, um, or led to believe or made to feel, um, that promises that didn't come to fruition. And obviously she had the same kind of conversation with Tony. And I just think that you know, Tony's booking of the women's division isn't great. He's not good at developing characters within it. And I think Jade suffered from that. And she is someone that is a star, but she was looking to be a star. And I think she probably thinks that she was mishandled. And I would say that someone like um, like a Jericho took an interest in her really early on to get her into AEW. And maybe, and I'm just speculating, that did not continue and maybe she then ended up like becoming better friends with Cody and Cody's over at um, WWE and maybe she had the initial idea that if she went to WWE she would at risk be at risk of being cut like so many people are um and maybe that was cuz she had a, like a lack of confidence in herself cuz she was completely new to wrestling and i think she probably now knows like in retrospect that she would have probably never been cut by WWE because of just what she looks like and what she's capable of and her overall star presence power. In a way, she made the best decision because she's gotten to skip the WWE developmental system that she may have spent years in, like some people do. And she got to have like this little run in AEW to get her name out there so she can go straight to the WWE main roster. So that's pretty smart. But like I was talking before with fans and like a better the devil, you know, I think maybe in this situation, yeah, there are issues that Jade could see with WWE of why she didn't sign there initially. And then she takes a chance on AEW. And maybe maybe she would have been better off with the devil that's been around for decades because I think that Tony and, and other people in there probably made promises to her that they just didn't have the resources to keep and I think with the level of star that she wants to be outside wrestling I think she's someone that wants to make an impact outside of wrestling in the general entertainment world the fashion world whatever um I think she probably realized that she wasn't going to get there through being signed with AW but I'm so excited for Jade coming in and everything I just said is I'm saying it from a positive, from a pro Jade Cargill angle. Cause I'm so excited to see her in, in WWE and I would never have let her go, but I don't think that this money thing would have been any kind of an issue. If her booking had been really good, if she felt like she was getting all her needs met creatively and everything else. I don't think that would have been an issue, but I'm trying to write something about it or make a video about it because I made a video on Jade. Um, and I thought the comments, a lot of the comments that I got quite a lot that I did delete were of a level of like, just like vitriol against her that you're only going to get against a woman like some of the stuff that people were saying about her was just outrageous and they'll claim that they weren't being misogynist or racist and I think they were being both um and they'll of course claim they won't be but it's interesting I've made videos about so many people including someone like CM Punk that's very controversial and I thought like reading some of the comments made towards Jade like the anger directed towards her and the oh, she thinks too much of herself and is directed towards her. And I was just like, yeah, you guys are showing your true feelings about other things here because if you don't believe that, like, Gia deserves the world in this business and I don't know what's wrong with you. I guess now it's a good time to talk about CM Punk. Is CM Punk going to WWE? It seems very likely. I mean, I've heard that it's more... Very, very, very likely. There was a report out from Fightful today saying, I think it kind of made it seem like it was more like 50 50 but also saying that he'd have to make amends to some people, including Roman Reigns. But I think he's going to go to WWE. I think he's going to debut in Survivor Series. I hope I'm there to see it. And you know, it's a controversial move, right? And coming from the perspective of a punk fan, do I? Okay, I'll put this out here. If I'm being 100% selfish, I want CM Punk to go to WWE. Um, I want to continue to see him wrestle and for personal reasons, I want him to go to WWE. Um, So I'm not going to knock it. Now, apparently he's deleted his sucking blood money dick tweet but You can't really delete anything on the internet so we all know that he said that and it is of course hypocritical if he goes to Saudi Arabia it's all probably hypocritical anyway him going back to WWE after everything he said but at the same time like I think that you know he did the WWE Fox show I wasn't happy about him when he did that not because I'm was unhappy with him for doing something WWE but I mean it was all this like saying that he wouldn't go back and then his entry back into wrestling is a show on Fox talking about WWE like okay that just seemed like a, a money grab thing but I think that he got the wrestling bug back when he did AEW and then he found AEW to be a place that he couldn't be happy in and obviously he caused a lot of problems and I'm not going to dissect punk again. I've done that so many times. You can listen to other audio and video of me. Believe me, I know all the problems that come with with Phil Brooks. But it's at least going to be interesting if he goes to WWE. Um, And I'm not going to say I feel let down by him or anything like that. You know... They say there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. And I think there's no ethical consumption of wrestling in any way. Every place has bad things that they do, every place has bad people. Um, There's just always, always moral dilemmas. And of course, no, it is not punk, not punk rock to um, go back on. WWE after everything that was said and all of that, lawsuits, whatever. But he's certainly got the wrestling bug and I think he wants to stick it to AW after what went down there. And Benno had like a little bit of a conspiracy theory on the grapple weekend show where he said that when you look back on it, it might feel like punk. That time he went to visit Raw. Knew he was done with AEW. But they weren't going to let him go. And he was at WWE. Seeing that everything was cool. He made amends with The Miz. He talked to Triple H. And then once he got back to AEW. And he did a show in Collision. He did not give a fuck about being fired. And he did whatever he wanted to. Um, And maybe he had the slight hope. That he would get fired. So he could go back to WWE. Because he just couldn't get along. With people in AEW. But. If I'm being a hundred percent selfish, I will be happy to see a um, CM Punk in AEW. I really will because I just want to see him wrestle again. So That's really like my only take on it. And I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen and I hope I'm there. My final thing to say is a little bit about Matt Riddle. Because last week, given the time that that I did my last podcast, um, I didn't get to properly take Dave Meltzer to task for the absolutely disgusting way he spoke about Matt Riddle in The Observer last week. Where, so he, he's clearly like, Close to Matt Riddle, like Matt Riddle is clearly one of the guys he talks to. Um, and the way he wrote about Riddle, it was like a, it was like he was writing for Tony Khan to be like, "Hey, Tony, you should bring this guy in." Um, and the way he framed Riddle's serious sexual abuse and other kind of abuse allegations were complaints made by ex-partners that's not the exact warning uh, wording but it was it was something like that like complaints made by former partners after the relationship ended which made it sound like um a lot of his ex-girlfriends like as soon as he broke up with with them started talking shit about him it didn't make it sound like what it is serious abuse allegations and allegations enough allegations that show a pattern of abuse allegations allegations we're talking about allegations and if Dave didn't want to say things because they are allegations he could have just said that there were sexual abuse allegations but he framed it in a terrible way in a terrible way that um really minimized them and puts the idea is designed to put the idea in the head of the reader that these are just pissed vengeful ex'es. um and I thought that was that was really gross. and Dave does not have a good history of reporting about these kinds of things and he should be taken task for it. I felt like, you know, I put it out there on Twitter, I felt like tweeting him. I also felt like writing him like a really lengthy email. Um, just about how he handles issues to do with women and stuff he should maybe think about but I was basically advised against that and because it wouldn't achieve anything Um, but you know what I would love to talk to Dave about these kinds of things because this is the man at the top of the industry the media part of the industry and it's never getting any better if this is how he handles things. And when we have another speaking out, another Me Too instant or another Me Too like movement in wrestling, when people are reporting about it, especially people in the tippy top like Dave, they need to be able to do it properly. And the way he handled Riddle in that Observer was not good. Then we look at this week's Observer, and he's talking about Riddle might do. I think it was Bellator. He might fight Jake Paul, whatever. No mention of AEW. It's as if maybe someone from AEW, maybe someone from AEW told him like, hey, Dave, we're not taking that risk. So put that one to bed. And there was a video of Matt Riddle like drunk at an airport that came out um, just like a day or two after that previous observer. But yeah, I feel like somebody... Somebody messaged Dave, somebody from AEW and was like, please stop making it seem like we're thinking of bringing Matt Riddle in because we're not. And I really hope, I still really hope they're not. But that was just an interesting development in the Dave uh, Meltzer, Matt Riddle saga that I've been following. I don't want to end on that note. Let me think of something else to say. Apparently Mercedes is going to come in soon. Apparently Mercedes is, um, is it that she's out of the boot or she's nearly out of the boot? Let me just check that. Uh, Oh, she's now out of the boot. Um, I hope they book Mercedes well if she's coming in because I of course, want to see Mercedes Monet in AW. I think she would do more for ratings than Adam has done. But with the history of how they booked the women's division, they they better be ready for her. Like, Tony better be ready to put some serious effort into that division if you're getting the star in the level of Mercedes Monet. I think that's everything for me. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It really means a lot to me. I'm sorry if, you know, I did some rants, always grumpy about some things, but this is my honesty outlet. So I want to get everything off my chest so I can feel better and not have so much anxiety or nightmares. <laughs> and please do subscribe. Give me that good rating. You know, do what Dave does for his boys and up bump up my star rating. Get me to five stars. Um. And yeah, if you want to see this on video, there's a free trial on my Patreon. Let me know on Patreon what would you, what you would like me to do on Patreon. I've been thinking of stuff I could do, like daily audio updates or daily written updates, general thoughts, like I don't know. I want suggestions, but yeah, subscribe on whatever platform you choose. You can find me on tw- note, not Twitter X at Stephanie M. Chase. You can find me on YouTube Stephanie Cheers Wrestling on TikTok at Stephanie M. Chase, on Instagram at Stephanie M. Chase. I did the Fightful Predictions show um, today with Astrid Pizarro. We talked about Fastlane. It was really, really fun. So go check that out, you know, and give, give Astrid a follow while you're at it. And yeah, thank you so much. Lots of love to you all. Please no one tell MJF how much I slide them off. Bye. Zero.